You are listening to the Over and Back podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. Hey, hey, NBA fans, welcome back once again to the Over and Back podcast for Sunday, April 14th, 2019. I am Jason Corbis, and with me is Mr. RJ Benner. Hey, hey. Hey, uh, wow, it is playoff time. The playoffs are here. It was a very, very, very fun day of games yesterday, man. What would you think about the games? Oh, you know, it was It was actually um, it was incredible. Turns out the best game of the entire, uh, entire night, though, I ended up bailing on yeah you I thought know. it was the gimme game yeah i said oh I, I can afford to i can afford to leave the orlando toronto game this isn't going to be anything to watch and, uh, <laughs> we'll, turns- uh, we'll, we'll actually get back around to that in just a little bit but uh we're gonna kick things off in the world of golf man what do you think about that yeah so uh tiger woods wins the uh, uh the masters it's his first master since 2005 and his first major since the 2008 u.s open this is his green jacket uh, puts him only one behind uh, Jack Nicholas, and it, it, this is kind of a, a redemption for for somebody who, uh, up to a year ago, me included, had everybody had kind of written off from the golf world as a professional. Yeah, you know, uh, he had his shoulder issues and back issues, and uh, infidelity issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, however much those that affects a different kind of game. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, you know, has finally been healthy the last couple of years, and he started by winning some small tournaments and has worked his way back up, and it's it's actually kind of fun to see. I've always liked Tiger. You know, personal things aside, he's always been uh, pretty fun to watch in a game that's not all that fun to watch. So it only begs the question, how many green jackets can one person have in their wardrobe? The answer so far is six. That That's how many. He's got five. <laughs> But yeah, the eventually, is eventually, I think they might start getting them in a different shade of green. You know, <laughs> a lime green for the clubs. You know, uh, an olive green for more formal parties that you might attend. And you know, I think maybe the idea is that one person doesn't have to hog so many jackets. For me, this. Uh you know, I I was a green um, jacket, gold jacket. Who <laughs> I, I was kind of a. Um, uh, a tiger convert to golf, right? Like when he was at the top of his game, I would tune in. I was one of those people, right? I even played the Tiger Woods golf game on the PlayStation and Xboxes. Um, it was just he made golf fun and, and winning at such an early age and right. doing it so rapidly. I mean, they really had to tiger proof the courses that he would play on uh, because he was just so dominant and he could drive the ball so well. And now, you know, everybody else had caught up to some of the. Some of the things that he'd already been doing, and he 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 did for golf what you know some of the greats in other sports did, you know, so like a, like like a Wilt Chamberlain would do for for um, for the NBA. That that was kind of Tiger Woods. Now you see Adam Scott and all these other golfers that kind of came up under that uh, watching him play, and they drive the ball off yeah. the tee like a beast now mm-hmm. too. And it kind of closed the gap there. But for you know forty three years old to be able to the second oldest player to uh, to win a Masters, you know, it's it's. A tip of my hat. And, and and really, does this mean that he's back, or was this just like one flash? Oh, no, 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 no. He's been consistent all year long. The the thing that has been great about him uh, having all of this time kind of out of the spotlight, and, you know, before it was all about his long game, and uh, somewhere over the past few years, his short game has always gotten, has gotten better. You know, um, he wasn't always the greatest putter in the world. Uh he, he was good at you know getting the ball out of the out of the sand and his chip shots, but uh, you know his overall short game has has really really excelled. And I think uh, if he keeps hitting the ball straight off the tee, uh, he's going to be back for a while. Yeah, well I'll tell you, this is the time to get hot. He's got um, uh, a few more majors coming up here pretty quickly. Um, you know, he, in May they're going to have the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open in June, the Open in July. So if if you know, this is a if this is a, a glimpse of, of what we get to see out of Tiger, at, at least in the the uh, intermediate range here. Then this is really good for golf, and it's it's you know it's it's good for um, that legacy that we'd all kind of just assumed when he was in his twenties that he was going to end up being the undisputed best golfer right. in the history of the sport. And, and uh, the Serena Williams of the golf world. There's so many other comparisons <laughs> you could have made, and you went there. And with that, we're going to wrap up golf. Because, uh, you know, from one Serena-involved story to another, uh, before we dive deep into the playoff talk, 
I have been ranting and raving and, and, and chomping at the bit to talk about this since it happened. The chaos that happened in L.A. with Magic Johnson. Wait, who are we talking about now? Are we talking more Laker basketball? We are always going to be talking <laughs> Laker basketball. This is the Over and Back Laker podcast with RJ and Jason. Oh, my gosh. So uh, if you, for some reason, listen to this podcast and don't like sports, what we're, what we're explaining is that Magic Johnson resigned as president of basketball operations on the eve of the last game of the season. Uh, he did this to a surprise to everyone. He didn't talk with the owner, Jeannie Buss. He didn't talk to his coach or his players. He didn't talk to anybody in the organization. He right. scheduled an impromptu press conference. Just kind of let it fly after the game. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> shot from the hip before the game, 80 oh, minutes yeah, right, before right. the game. Yeah. Everybody gets hit with a bombshell. By the way, Magic just walked out. Like, Mike dropped it. Now, um, he's got to get his tweets. He's so, got to hang out with people this summer. You know, he's he's got to go back to being magic. Yeah, that's what. You know, those these are the things that he really did say. Uh, you know, he has more fun just being himself, and he's not able to be himself. He wants to go back to having fun. Is something he talked about. He didn't like being handcuffed and uh, not being able to talk to players. He, he he mentioned calling up Russell Westbrook and congratulating him on another triple double season. He wouldn't be able to do that without it being called tampering. So you know the, he referenced the five hundred thousand dollars in fines that he's received since taking over as president right. well, uh, for tampering. I mean, part of it too is maybe personality wise, Magic Johnson likes to be so friendly with everybody, and he's constantly described as the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And for him to probably just cut all that off. I mean, it's got to be, you know, he's got to, he had to have not felt like himself for quite a while. And this is why, you know, the things he didn't deem as, you know, probably tampering, you know, he was getting drilled for so hard about, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, he's trying to figure out why his behavior was considered so bad when I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to be me and not really, you know, hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just magic. And well, now we can just be magic. Well, so, so there's some other elements of this, and this is why I was chomping at it. There, there's, and then a lot of this has started to unfold. So we got to kind of talk about it, and I don't get to be this prognosticator and, and, and um, you know, the, this this person who gets to call all these things about to happen. I have no proof because I, I didn't have a podcast from the time this happened till now. But as it turns out, there was a lot of backstabbing and whispering, and those are magic words. They're not they're not me reading into it. He literally said he was tired of the backstabbing and the whispering that was going on. You have a take on where that whispering was coming from. Yeah, a lot of that coming from, you know, Rob Rob Polinka. Their relationship was never really that great. Rob Polinka is a Kobe Bryant guy. If you don't know, you know, he was Kobe Bryant's agent. And uh, Kobe Bryant is Jeannie Buss's guy. And, you know, if Kobe kind of, you know, tells her that, he wants Polinka around. Rob Polinka is going to stay around, and Magic didn't really care for that. And what Rob Polinka would do is go around, you know, n- knowing that you know M- Magic wasn't uh, in the Lakers facility and uh, when he was normally supposed to be, and go around asking for Magic. Has anybody seen Magic? Knowing that he wasn't there, just kind of trolling him in a way that to let everybody realize that you know, hey, Magic's probably not doing the job he's supposed to, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is so. This is on the heels of a meeting with Rob Polinka, Jeannie Buss, Luke Walton, and Magic. So the other thing that's coming out is that there's unconfirmed rumors from Bleacher Report that ESPN has a story that's going to break about workplace misconduct coming from Magic Johnson. Now it doesn't say what kind of workplace misconduct, and that's a wide, you know, you could you, that's that could be inappropriate. Uh, relationships with females to yelling and screaming and, and breaking things. Who knows? Magic actually heard these rumors and he, he talked about it and, and his his line was uh, that he's never disrespected anybody. He said, am I tough? Hell yeah. Uh, I'm demanding to work for, but I'm fair. If I was doing something wrong to my employees, you think they would have hired me twice. Right. Now, maybe there's nothing to this, but maybe there is some elements that Magic, you know, like you talk about, he's a real friendly guy, likes to hug, likes to, you know, and he's 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 a little bit from a different era mm-hmm. uh, with with somewhat of a reputation. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, you know, had his relationship thrust out in the media because of, you know, 1991 issues. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we won't really get all yeah, into that. Yeah. But, I mean... You know, there's there's a certain stigma around that still, and it was you know it was a fairly big deal, and yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if something comes out about that, um, which you know he he's making it sound like he had no um, there there won't be a story and that it had no right. no bearing on this. Now I'm going to get into the conspiracy theory takes on this. Right. What? So Rob Palinka is is the puppet. 
to LeBron James Puppet Master. Okay, oh, you think so huh? Uh, so Magic Johnson is. I mean, he he's friendly. He's he's lovable, right? He's gregarious, but he's not going to walk into that locker room and take his orders from LeBron James or any other basketball player. No, no, no. no. He, he's the most iconic Laker. He's going to have more weight than you. So if you're LeBron James, and maybe you don't want the head coach that Magic Johnson wants. Maybe you have your own idea. And there's rumors coming out of L.A. that Ty Lue all of a sudden is being considered. Monty Williams is being considered. Maybe Magic wanted to go in a different direction with head coach. So if Rob Polinka and LeBron James start uh, start pushing in, in a certain direction, this could be the fallout. Magic doesn't need this. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, as, as I see it, uh, Teron Lue looks very likely to actually fall into that that head coaching job for the Lakers, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And as as the old joke goes, everybody likes stepping over Teron Lu, so, <laughs> you know, it's a perfect fit there. There you LeBron go. will walk all over him. Yeah, and, and again, if you think about some of the other people, Monty Williams, never a, a, a hardcore head coach that's going to get his way. Another rumor uh, floating out there is that Juwan Howard is a name that's being tossed around for the Lakers. These are not going to be people that will stand up to LeBron James. Yeah. Le- Juwan Howard is an interesting name too. When I heard that floated around, because he's been he's been working as an assistant and actually being pretty effective and having good relationships with players, but I've never known Juwan Howard to have that take charge kind of personality. Exactly. You know, he's he's a very mellow dude on the court, and uh, I don't know if that personality can translate into being somebody who's going to kind of take the reins of that mm-hmm. that team and actually be able to work out a game plan that is a coach's game plan, not one of your players' game plans. Yeah, so. exactly. And, and you know the name that has disappeared off the radar that was being talked about a lot when Magic was still around? Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. And Jason Kidd would be a head coach that doesn't have to listen to a player, even if that player is LeBron James. Because I think Jason Kidd uh, is is about as bullheaded of a player as I can remember. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he, he definitely would go by whatever his plan was, whether... Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, whether it might have been the best thing or not, if Jason Kidd thinks that this is what the team needs to do, he's going to make sure that that plan gets followed through. Otherwise, he's going to make sure that, well, uh, players, you know, get disciplined because of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, insubordination. Right. So I feel like LeBron wasn't able to push magic like he was uh, Dave Griffin um, right. or, or Kobe, uh, whatever his name was, the other guy that replaced him in, in Cleveland, Kobe something. Altman. Kobe Altman, thank you. Um so if he wanted to have his hand in, in what was going on, Magic would listen, but Magic wasn't going to let LeBron handpick his head coach and handpick his, his team. Uh, LeBron even had some, I didn't, remember we talked about this a couple podcasts ago, how LeBron said, started distancing himself from the, the roster decisions of this last offseason. Right. Well, all of a sudden he put that on Magic Johnson's head. All by himself, and now look yeah. where we're at. Well, it, it, well, before the season even started, we remember, uh, you know, LeBron saying things in the media about being excited with a team that's being put together. Mm -hmm. And so I can't, you know, he pulled a nice little 180 on there, you know, it was. Yep. I'm with you. So, you know, one of the things that we'd originally want to talk about that that you had was that LeBron was, would, would everything going on make LeBron rethink his future with the Lakers? I think had Magic stayed, that would be a lot more in jeopardy than, than now. Because I really do feel like LeBron has just put himself in the, the second most powerful seat in L.A. Yeah, that's well. That's possible, but you know, it's it's all going to depend on the free agency. You know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, who in their right mind is going to want to sign in L.A. now, though? Yeah, you know, uh, the most iconic Laker just threw his hands up and said, you know, he can't stand all the BS behind the scenes. You know, uh, rumor was that Corey Brewer, uh, talking about his time uh, in L.A., convinced uh, Paul George to not even entertain an interview. Right. No, I mean, so so. Out of all the names that are out there, there's some, you know, they, they, everybody's talked about, like, this is the free agent year. Right. What does you that know, leave Big them? names, you know, like uh, the people that everybody's wanting to sign are Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, you know, uh, Durant, Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. And they're going to end up with these second-tier free agents who are still going to draw the same amount of money, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. You know, Boogie's going to want a big contract. Jimmy Butler would be available probably because, mm-hmm. you know, if Philly keeps playing like they did yesterday. <laughs> well, you know, anyway. And, you know. Draymond, who, uh, yeah, well, you know, Draymond Green's Draymond Green. Right. If, if you have to have him, I guess. So what I'm looking at is that now with uh, these second-tier free agents, you know, the, a Draymond Green or a Boogie Cousins, uh, the David Griffin, now the Pelicans' general manager, uh, 
he gets to start fresh, right? He's already got a great relationship with LeBron James. Rob Palinka and, and David Griffin get to redo that Lakers trade that didn't happen, that Dell Demps and, and now Magic Johnson will take the blame for for not going down. And you know what? LeBron James gets his way. Yeah, you know, uh, the Lakers are also going to have to give up a whole lot less than they would have to. And, you know, part of me thinks that was, you know, kind of a part of a, a plan already. Yeah, you know? quite possibly. But, you know, I, that is the official Laker limit of talk. Yes, I, I think we passed our quota. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. So I would like to just say that you and I were the Nostradamus of the Eastern Conference prediction, but we kind of struck out on the West Conference. Yeah, we didn't do so hot there. But to be quite honest, uh, neither did anybody else in predicting the way those seedings were going to fall in the last you know, hour of the NBA season. It was crazy. It was. It was. Uh, so, so to give a quick update and correction, number one and number two, Golden State Warriors, Followed by the Denver Nuggets. Number three was a big surprise to us. Yeah, the Portland Trailblazers were able to move up and you know get get a victory under uh, you know against uh, a Denver team that was not wanting to win. And then uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the Rockets fall flat, yeah. moving down to the fourth seed. Uh, Utah Jazz fifth seed, which I mean th- th- those three we were wrong on. Number six. Oklahoma City Thunder, wrong on. Number well, seven. Well, we were right on the Jazz. We said they were going to be in fifth. Well, we said fourth. We did said, we? The, yeah, well, I did. I oh, was you advocating thought, you more thought they were going to flip with the Blazers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Thunder sitting at six. That puts uh, the San, San Antonio Spurs in the best possible scenario. At seven, which I was very thankful for to see them wind up playing Denver. And we saw the result of that last night, which was fantastic. And the small market Los Angeles team in the eighth. Yeah. They played hard. <laughs> Both teams played hard, man. Yeah. Both teams played yeah. hard. Yeah, I'm just going to do that the rest of the podcast else, now. What did, you, uh, what did you see was the key to this win? Both teams played hard. What did you think about... Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. That's a, that's a little Rasheed Wallace uh, for you. I'm here all week. So first game that, uh, that I want to talk about isn't necessarily the first game that played. Golden State versus the L.A. Clippers. Jason, give me your thoughts because we watched that game with with about the same amount of disgust. Uh, you know, uh, it was all uh, it was the Steph Curry show at the end. Uh, he came up really big, and that was the reason they stretched out the lead with uh, him hitting was just three threes in a row at one point. It felt like, and uh, they really took control of the score and put it out of reach. The thing that drove me really crazy about that game was a lot of the attitudes, which now all I see is like Patrick Beverly gets thrown out of game after a scuffle. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Patrick Beverly got pushed in the back. Into the, first, into the scorer's table. first into the scorer's table. But, you know, nobody really, nobody's putting that on Kevin Durant, who was laughing about it afterwards. And, you know, those two are going back and forth at it all day. And I'm sorry, Kevin Durant, um, is there some sort of reason? I un- I understand that Patrick Beverly is a tough nosed defender, but Kevin Durant is supposed to be the best offensive player on the planet, who is not able to just dominate a six foot one point guard guarding you at seven feet tall. Right. Well, I, Kevin, Kevin Durant's weakness has always been his mental toughness. He's never been. Yeah. Well, he got shook, and he was started playing like kind of a jerk right after that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. So that game, the entire time, I felt like the Warriors. Were, were mighty Casey at bat. They never really would try super hard. They'd, they'd kind of slack off a little bit. F- let, the Clippers would claw back because the Clippers never stopped busting their tail on no, that. They th- uh, you know, Golden State was coming out. They were throwing stupid passes. They mm-hmm. weren't really paying attention. You know, even, even Durant just threw one straight out of bounds just bringing the ball up the court. It was oh, just <laughs> and the laughing. Like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they. I, I think right now they're not taking the Clippers seriously, and uh, I, I have a feeling, you know, L.A. L.A. looked all of them looked pretty pissed after the game, mm-hmm. and Doc Rivers about flipped his lid, yep. uh, and they're going to give the Warriors a fight, even if they're swept. The uh, the Warriors are going to be beaten down a little bit this series, and I think the the Clippers are going to play really physical with them and just make things tough. Yeah, you know, well, they couldn't. Okay, so here, here's some here's some takeaways from the game on my um, on my end. Number one, I don't understand how Steph Curry got 15 rebounds. That blows my mind. That's his career high. Don't see that happening again. What no. I do see happening again is Lou Williams decimating that defense. 
mm-hmm. just just slashing in uh, with reckless abandon and not being able to be stopped. Mon- I always get it wrong. Montrez Montrez Harrell. It's a hard name to say for me, and I don't know why. Montrez Harrell, a beast inside. He plays so hard, and he's all hustle except. You know we have we have those players, those uh, Kevin Fareed type players, those those Rodman type players who are all hustle. Mm-hmm. But you know he's got just as much heart in his game and his uh, his skill level and his finishing inside. You know playing the way he does is uh, pretty unparalleled when you when you think about guys you know coming off the bench in this league giving a team a spark. Yeah, it, he, was, it was really fun to watch. He plays like he came into the NBA 10, 12 years ago when he he came you know he came under that kind of you know that right. that team grinded out uh, mentality. Uh, the Clippers. The other takeaway is Clippers don't have anybody outside of those two. No. It's it's really hard. You know, you think Gallinari, you know, he showed a you know a spark here and there, but you know, he's one of their best scorers in their starting lineup. And it, like I said, you know, a couple weeks ago, it's all about the bench for the Clippers because their starting lineup cannot get anything going yesterday. It yep. was it was tough to watch. And uh, you know, <laughs> for being I mean, the talent disparity is incredible. And for being so much more talented than that Clipper squad, are you seriously going to flail and flop so much? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And that was a theme we saw all night across multiple games. Oh, yeah, well, Jimmy Butler was the worst. Yeah. And <laughs> who was it who was making fun doing the Butler? Oh, it was uh, D'Angelo Russell. Yep. was like... Just doing a little flop motion, showing the referees what he's doing as he's walking back yeah. down the court. So Patrick Beverly, if you get to watch the clip, Patrick Beverly did the exact same thing to Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin Durant was uh, was was jawing at him, and every time Kevin Durant went to go say something, uh, Patrick Beverly would flail backwards. Whoa, <laughs> whoa! It's it's watch the clip because it's hilarious. I absolutely love Patrick Beverly. I think two podcasts ago, maybe last week, we we called it um, with how great that he is. Um. At what he does, yeah, what he does, dog yeah. on the court and getting yep. under people's skin. Oh, yeah, he was doing it last night, and he he shook Kevin Durant all the game long. Absolutely. Oh, so that game disappointing. By the way, one twenty one one hundred four was the final score. It felt closer. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, technical difficulties. I'll go back and clean this up. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it felt a lot closer than uh, than the actual score. But yeah, it was just those runs that, that. Yeah, they had that third quarter little run that made them pull away. Yep. So let's segue, man. Let's let's drop this game because you know there's going to be three to four. Oh, I'm calling in five. By the way, I'm saying the Clippers are going to scratch out one win. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. So let's go to let's go to the the home run game for you, San Antonio Denver. Uh, Take the lead, man. Yeah, it was it was great. Uh, the the. The best part about this game was uh, San Antonio's defense, especially their defense around uh, Murray, who shot eight for twenty-four with zero assists. Now, from your starting point guard in this league, that I mean that's that's a pretty good job of getting shut down. You see him at eight for twenty-four. Uh, they, you know, they got into his head. This is his first playoff game, mm-hmm. and they could, you know, Popovich knew that uh, there was. Uh, uh, Jokic, Jokic was taken out of his game. He only got nine shots up. He made some pretty good passes. That was good to see. Mm-hmm. But uh, all in all, San Antonio had a really balanced attack from the inside and outside. Bryn Forbes was shooting the ball lights out. Uh, Patty Mills controlled things for their offense and actually came down, made sure they, they looked like they got good shots almost every time down the court. And they, they were well, well prepared. Yeah, so... Here's some. Here's my my key takeaways of this game. And, and again, a five point game. It was 101 to 96. San Antonio pulled out the win. You want to find those five points. It comes in a few different areas. Number one, when you're shooting 21 percent from three, don't shoot 28 times in a close game. Yeah. I don't know what Denver was doing, and I they don't didn't know. learn from the Rockets last year. So. Yeah, I don't understand how you don't pull the plug on that because you're you're not a, a live and die by the three kind of team. And if no. your point guard Jamal They're an inside Murray out kind of team, yeah, they, they weren't playing that way. Yeah, if, if Jamal Murray is eight of 24 with zero assists, you need to bench him because you don't shoot 24 times without passing the ball and getting somebody else uh, get somebody else going. Uh, uh, the Joker only nine. Shots 
shots. He was four of nine. He shot a ball only nine. You have an all NBA center, and he's leading your team. Fourteen points. Four, or I'm sorry, fourteen rebounds. 14 assists, he gets 10 points on 9 shots. He, well, they were making it really tough coming off of double teams and everything like that. Every time he would make his normal move, they, they were cutting him off, and they were cutting off passing lanes for him. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get... Yeah, he, he. I mean, he had some. He had some pretty nice assists, but he. They took him out of his game, and he couldn't make his his move to the middle, and it it was just tough. Hard shots. They were all over him last night. Yeah, it was. It was to me. It was disappointing to see that backcourt go. And again, if you're Jamal Murray, you're gonna have to lick your wounds and know this was your first playoff game. Right. Paul Millsap, he needs to be counted on more. He also only got four or nine. Um, three rebounds he just you know what he needs to get involved more you can't be relying on will barton and jamal murray to carry you against the spurs because you know what popovich is going to let you guys shoot the ball all day long popovich has seen a way tougher opponents than that so, so yeah and, and a big shout out 46 uh, percent from three for the spurs uh, and they shot the ball 12 times or something. I think it was like 5 of 12 is what they ended up doing. Yeah. So they're shooting 46, and they had the discipline to only take them when they were good shots, not chuck up 28 um, like like the, the, the Nuggets. Again, we're, we're the prognosticators here at Over and Back, and I think we called this that the, the Denver Nuggets were going to be the most vulnerable team, and it definitely showed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, inexperience is uh, your biggest enemy in the playoffs. So yeah, so the the punt game for me now I, I want to say that the Orlando Toronto game wasn't just me being tired or wanting to to take a nap middle of the day. Uh, I have uh, I have a valid excuse. I needed to to save my lizard, and Jason, that's not a euphemism. <laughs> But I have a bearded dragon, and his light blew out in the middle of the day, so I had to go get him a replacement heating bulb, and it came at the cost of what turned out to be the an, game of the day—an epic game between Orlando and Toronto. Orlando Magic pulled us out 104-101. Since I only got to see highlights and uh, box scores, why don't you walk us through the adventure? Ugh. Orlando is so impressive. You know, you don't get to watch a lot of Orlando Magic basketball because they don't have a lot of TV time. Unless you have League Pass, you don't see them. Uh, but, man, I am so impressed with some of their young guys. They are long and uh, fast. They Their defense, you know, they are the – they were the third, uh, the the third ranked defense after the All Star break for a reason. They were swarming constantly, and it made it so Toronto was having a hard time getting any good looks, uh, except for Kyle Lowry, who had plenty of good looks, just couldn't make anything. <laughs> uh, they just kind of left him alone. Uh, but man. Uh, even they got contributions from uh, guys like Michael Carter Williams, who I didn't even think was going to be in the league after he got uh, let go by the Rockets earlier this mm. year. Uh, but you know he hit two three pointers. I hadn't seen him hit two three pointers in my entire life before. <laughs> uh, you know if Michael Carter Williams can shoot the ball, he might be kind of scary. Uh, but his defense was incredible. Uh, he gave them a huge spark off the bench. Uh, oh my goodness, what is the branch? What is his name? Birch. Birch. Yeah. This. Uh, this kid who I've only like seen in highlights Kem, this year, Kim or Kim or something like that, Kim yeah. Birch, yeah. Oh man, he is—he's got a bright future. He was finishing everything around the hoop yesterday, um, and you know it was a really, really just amazing effort. And it didn't even—I mean, you wouldn't have thought that this was just a team full of guys that you never heard of, you know? Yeah. You know, aside from Aaron Gordon and Vucevic, I mean, those are our household names. And DJ Augustine, DJ Augustine had 26 points and like, what was it? Uh, I don't know, 12 assists yesterday or nine assists. Anyways, a, a standout game. He's player of the game. And, you know, I I couldn't believe that DJ Augustine, of all people, was playing at this kind of a level, uh, you know, at this time in his career. You know, I he wasn't. I remember him kind of washing out of uh, Charlotte when they yeah. were the Bobcats, you know? Uh, yeah, just a, a wonderful coaching job down there. And those guys have turned this season around. And, man, uh, if they keep playing hard like this, uh, Toronto has a history of collapsing as much as they're your team that you picked this year. Uh, well, That's it, true. It's, it's going to be – It's gonna be. Orlando's going to be a tough out. They're going to be a very tough out at the seventh spot. So I'll say this. Uh, Kyle Lowry zero points seven zero rebounds. for seven shot yeah two for seven from the field yeah I mean that's do you want to know the difference the, those three points it's it's making one of those seven shots it's 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 statistically the the Raptors sh- shot five percent better from the field the the Magic are not going to shoot 
48 percent, 14 to 29 on threes moving forward. They're not going to be 90 percent from the foul line. Uh, and it, I feel like as, as much as I want to throw stones and put the whole loss on Kyle Lowry, the magic played out of their minds for an inexperienced team. Um, this is they have been on a tear. Uh, they play tough defense. Sure. Uh, but I didn't expect to see the output from those guys. DJ Augustine, who I figured was a year or two away from the big three. Yeah, something like to, that. To make yeah, a big splash. Yeah, to make a big splash in the playoffs. Uh, my hat's off to the amount of hustle that those guys have because, again, they played a lot like the Clippers um, with just an immense amount of heart the entire yeah, game. Yeah. Shots were falling for them, and that was the, kind of the difference in between the, them and the Clippers yesterday. Yep. Yeah, I think this turned into a six game six game series, but uh, um, I don't see I don't see Orlando uh, winning more than one more for the rest of the rest of the run. Yeah, that's fair. So this leaves us with one game from last night that uh, that's left to talk about, and it was it was the the first one that we watched, and man, was it the most entertaining for me. <laughs> for basketball purposes? Not at all. <laughs> it was amazing. So Joel Embiid, I, I think he's going to be great. I get a kick out of watching him, but he's kind of a turd bucket. And yeah, to, to see him suffer in a game and, and have a little bit of humble pie is rewarding for me. Yeah, to, to watch him fall apart the way that he did. And, comp- like... Shots weren't falling for him in the first half, but you could tell he started the game with a lot of confidence. The second half, all of that confidence was gone. Mm-hmm. They were leaving him wide open on the yep. perimeter, giving him anything he wanted. And he chose to drive in and take a bunch of tough shots instead of sticking with his perimeter game. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just all out of sorts. You know, he so much you have to, you know, check out to see what's going on about your game on Twitter, I guess. Right? <laughs> right? So, yeah. Um, before we get to the juiciest parts of this, let's just say, uh, if you guys didn't watch the game, to, to give you the idea of how the 76ers played, Joel Embiid, wide open from three, shoots and he misses it. They get the offensive rebound, they kick it back out to him, he shoots a three, and he misses it. They get the offensive rebound, they pass the ball. It ends back up in his hands. He shoots a three and he misses it. This is but one wait, is possession. That it? I think there was one more. The, think, was it four? I think he was took four? four. This is what we're talking about. That's not injury related. That's not I don't feel good. Uh, my shoulder, my knee, my nose, my head, whatever is, is wrong. That is you and effort not getting along. That's what that is. To settle for threes when you're the biggest, most dominant man on the court. Mm-hmm. That says something, especially when Jarrett Allen, the guy guarding you, racks up three fouls in the first three minutes. You don't abuse that down yeah. low. No, you get him out of the game quick, and the I, I cannot believe like I understand it's not a normal part of their offense, but you know you get down there on the block and just start going to work. Mm-hmm. Like you're by far the biggest guy on the court. You can go old school basketball and get a guy out of the game because of fouls real quick. Just do it, right? Just so do it. So when Jarrett Allen left. Who was the little guy that kept getting put on Joel Embiid? I cannot even remember his name. Jared Dudley. Well, yeah, Jared. Thank you, Jared Dudley. (laughs) During this game, Jason kept asking, "Is Jared Dudley like the most unathletic looking person at the Y?" (laughs) And I think he's accurate. Yeah, it was. uh, You know, he's still he's got his shot. He's he's a terrific locker room guy, and that's why Jared Dudley's still in the league and why he's hung around as long as he has. But uh, you can tell he's at a, spot, at a point in his life where he doesn't have a lot of athleticism and body control left because there was a play where uh, he got the ball out <laughs> on a fast break and the defender was so planted in his spot. And Jared Dudley <laughs> didn't even try to make a move around him. He it looked like he might have tried to have some kind of a sidestep thing, but literally hit him head on like a freight train. And, uh, you know... It, it was it was it was pretty funny at the time. Yeah, but uh, you made a comment that made me laugh so hard, and I, I wish I could remember it. But you made something like, "Doesn't he look like the the unathletic musician during the celebrity all star game or yeah, something like looks, that?" Yeah, he looked like a guy from the like no uh, like a uh, one of the stand up comics. He yeah, was able to make go. it into the celebrity game. Yeah, it, it's a. Anyways, if that's the guy guarding you, and remember, Jared Dudley's a small forward by trade. If that's the guy that's guarding you when you're Joel Embiid. You take him to task, and it didn't happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, he got in, he got in Joel Embiid's head a couple times. 
Uh, yeah, Ed Davis was on him too, and he did Ed a Davis. really he yeah. did a really good job of defending it. And they would uh, they were constantly bringing in double teams with Ed Davis and. Uh, uh, oh, man, the name's slipping from me. They don't show too many Nets games on TV either. <laughs> uh, so, uh, right. But they did a good job of having one guy on him, and every time MB would try to make a move to the middle at some point, you know, or get the ball on the perimeter, he would. Every time he got it on the perimeter, he looked like he would shoot a three pointer, or he was going to, and then he would make a move to the middle, and they would shut that down with a double team every time, making those shots really tough for him. Yep. Two offensive takeaways. Uh, D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, sweet jumper. If I have not seen a sweet jumper lately, oh my gosh! You know what I really like too? Smart mid-range jump shots. Yes, he made sure that his shots were good, good open shots. He didn't try to force too mm-hmm. many things. Granted, he's a young guy. There was a couple of shots where you kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Yep. But uh, you know, he played really under control and. What a big loss for the Lakers. Right. For nothing. Just so the, they have the ability to sign uh, KCP in the offseason. Uh, one of the things that I saw, when you play pick and roll offense in the NBA today, what you're basically doing is you're picking for a three. That's, a, that's about all you see. Steph Curry, yeah, it's James all Harden. Pop now. Yeah, it, you, you, it, it's pick, step back, three. Or you drive in because the defense shifted out to guard the three and you get a layup to the hoop. D'Angelo Russell's pick and roll game is straight out of the 90s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. Pick at the uh, pick at the top of the key, mid-range 18-foot jumper. And they're silky smooth. Yeah, oh, he's 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 got so many so many tools and he was using them all. Uh finishing at the hoop really well. Again, that mid-range jump shot, uh making really wise decisions on, on the pick and roll mm-hmm. too, making that extra pass when he needed yep. to and finding the guys at the right spot. Yep. And he's got his ceiling has gotten a little bit higher, if it you has. ask me. You know the other offensive takeaway for the Nets? Um, actually, this, this is going to be more for the 76ers. This is a lesson for them. I want J.J. Redick to watch the film and see everything that Harris did and then try to copy it. Because mm-hmm. that guy played perfectly off screens, high threes. He did what we expected J.J. Redick to do that entire right. game. Yeah, and what's really impressive, too, is... Those threes are so much easier for a guy like Harris with his height and everything. Mm-hmm. When he's coming off those screens, it makes it really tough to get into position to contest that shot because it is so much higher than a guy like Reddit coming off those same screens. You know. Yeah, I will say this. I thought Philly was going to beat Brooklyn and it wasn't going to be a super challenging series. After watching that game, it's given me pause because the 76ers are falling apart. Amir Johnson gets caught by the camera with Joel Embiid Staring and playing on his cell phone. And he said the excuse that he gave was that he's got a sick daughter and he was checking on her. Which, if that's true, you have staff to do it. You walk to the tunnel and you do it. But you don't sit on your phone giggling with Joel Embiid in the middle of a blowout loss while boos are raining down on you from your own crowd. Yeah, I think it was Candy Crush they were playing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, whatever it was, whether they were just having a chat with somebody, whether he was checking in, it's it's a clear violation of the rules. He got fined, but they won't say uh, how much. I wanted to see him get a one-game suspension. That's really what it comes down to. You don't pull your phone out in the middle of a blowout loss in the playoffs and and act like it's it's funny. for 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 Philly to also have the audacity to call out their their home crowd mm-hmm. uh, for booing them dude now this is two ob- people that did this yes you, yeah yeah uh, you obviously don't care about the game of course they're going to boo you if you are so lackadaisical that you're pulling out your phone on the sideline no matter what it's for you know that there's other ways to get news uh about his daughter if she was sick for amir yep. johnson you know step into uh, the tunnel yeah, That's step it. into the tunnel when you're pulled out of the game because you know what? You didn't play much. You got plenty of time to check up on it. Yep. Uh, so because well, it, it was thing, a paper thin excuse. Is that why. whole thing was crap for yep. me, and I'm pretty sure Joel Embiid made that up because yep. he was the first one to talk about it, and. Um, you know th- 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 that's no excuse. Yep. And then to sit there and you know. Uh, so Ben Simmons calls out his fans. Jonathan Simmons calls out. It was Jonathan Simmons. Is that his name, Jonathan? Yeah, from they got him from he, Orlando. Reason, yeah, yeah, I can't. I, can't, I get the first yeah, name. He's a spur. Yeah, I always think Bobby Simmons, and I know that's not right. It's too many so, Simmons. Yeah. the fans. Anyway, so we have Jonathan Simmons calling out the fans. We also have um, Ben Simmons calling out the fans, and they both. I mean, it was echoing the same thing, which is, "Hey, don't come here if you're going to boo. Stay on the other side." 
nah, man, if you're Ben Simmons, why don't you step up? Why don't you not get outplayed by somebody that's six inches shorter than you? Okay, that's an exaggeration. Maybe it's five, four or five inches. But still, you got schooled. You looked bad. You, you couldn't hit a jumper. They played for you not to hit a jumper. You didn't drive. You didn't penetrate. You had a couple nice defensive plays. But you got schooled in Philadelphia. If you if you... If you are going to get upset about fans booing, don't play in Philadelphia. Yeah, well, the only yeah, Philadelphia is a tough place to please. You might as well be playing in New York. You know, those are worse. The, those are the yeah. those are the two hardest places to get the fans on your side. And if you are showing that you are not giving your hundred percent effort, you're going to get booed out of the building. That's the way it's always been over there. Yep. You know, if you're the one who's coming there, not expecting that. Maybe you're the one with the problem. Yep. Uh, that being said, you know, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Woo. Butler was the only bright side for Philly, if you ask me, and he uh, had a little bit of controversy of his own, and his uh, his little little flopping game and getting getting to the line and whatnot. That I ain't mean, that ain't gonna stay. No, they're, they're, they're uh, that's that. I have a feeling going forward that's gonna get washed mm-hmm. a little bit more. So. I, I'll give it to him though. He was a bright spot. Yeah, he he was scoring the ball for them. He, he was at the line all day. It felt like and yep. uh, well, uh, yeah. I'll tell you this: if you want to keep him, you know what? Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris. You're all put on notice at this point, right? They need to show up. Yeah, uh, he cannot be the only one. This is the reason why he was pissed off at everybody in Minnesota because he felt like he was the only person playing. Yep. And yesterday it looked like that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Owner gets talked to. This is the this is the final piece of the puzzle for me on on why the 76ers are about ready to implode. The owner gets talked uh, asked a question about the head coach, and he says, "Yeah, I, I have all the confidence that he can take us where we need to be," but refuses to give him an endorsement for next season. And it's pretty much out there that if he doesn't make a very deep not a, not a one round, not a two round, but a deep conference finals level playoff run, he's out. Brett Brown is head coach, so you're about ready to lose. Um, in the first round, in my opinion, which is going to create a domino effect of Jimmy Butler bailing on you, your head coach being replaced, and them starting all over again as far as what does what does the, the chemistry look like, what does that team do in the in the next direction. And FYI, do you know that without Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, they won more games last season? Yeah, yeah, they had a much better year last year, and it, you know, and they part looked of it, good in the playoffs. Yeah, part of it can be the same thing that Boston is suffering for. We have so many pieces now that you know they haven't gelled, and they haven't gelled yet. You can you can tell, and uh, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just going to say Boston also suffers from acute Kyrieitis. Ah, uh, yeah, that is true. <laughs> Again, this is a diagnosis that I had uh, <laughs> yep, a couple months ago. Yep. I'll give you credit for that. You called it. You called it. But what you didn't call was how ugly the Pacers were going oh. to play today versus Boston. Dude, is, Good this, Lord. is this score from like 1997? You know, I think they scored more back then. Oh my god, that is bad. So, so Boston defeated Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it has been. Well, they're in Indianapolis. So uh, that's the fair. Indiana Pacers. Uh, 84-74 on what was the ugliest game I have seen in my life. You know, uh, Boston, though, I got to say, they did a good job of outshooting Indiana in that game. You know, they had a whopping 36% from the field. You know, that's, <laughs> that's something to look forward to. You know? Yeah. When you're the Pacers and you shoot 33%, you're like, man, this has got to be a blowout, right? The, the, no. The Celtics <laughs> only shot three points better. The The biggest difference is is in the free throws, man. The the uh Fifty-seven percent free throw percentage out of Indianapolis, out of Indiana. That is just that makes you go. Wait a minute, nerves maybe jitters like the unpreparedness. A, a team that traditionally shoots over seventy percent, shooting fifty-seven percent, that just doesn't that doesn't add up. When your number one person is Corey Joseph with fourteen points off the bench, yeah, and your next highest is twelve, and those are your only two double-digit scores. This is an aberration, right? Yeah. It- it's not going to continue this bad. You, it is another sign of just like Denver, Indian, Indiana. You know, you got me saying so Indianapolis, right? man. What is your deal? Conseco uh, Fieldhouse. We'll just say that. Is that a thing still? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lack of experience on their part. You know, they haven't. Uh, none of those guys on that team, except for maybe Corey Joseph, have <laughs> had any uh, real playoff experience. Made any deep pushes into the playoffs? Where, where did least, he play? I don't. I don't oh, remember. But, you know, he's one of my guys. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna change. They can't. They cannot shoot that badly all no. series. It's no. not gonna happen. And they're gonna go back to uh, you know trying to fix what's wrong. And I think they'll both teams will make a turnaround. I have a feeling they're gonna score. Uh, you know, it'll probably be a game scoring into the maybe in the one teens and one twenties next time around. Yeah, that would be a, a much better uh, uh, game for television. One thing I don't see improving for Indian Indiana though. Wow, the one thing I don't see improving for Indiana though is they got killed on the boards, and there's not a, a solution in place. I don't think um, uh, Boston's inside is just bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, you know they got to make up for that in other places. You know, once uh, I mean again, you shoot better. There's less rebounds. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of that simple, really. Uh, they're not going to be able to make up that size, so the 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 better they shoot, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, so Marcus Smart, I thought was going to hurt the Celtics. It turns out, I think that they're going to be able to survive this round quite quite easily without him. The way that they're playing good team defense. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that is was was kind of interesting to me is the fact that. Uh, they are getting pretty balanced contributions, and their defense looks more solid than it has in a while. And guys look more like they're hustling. You know, they're not they're not reacting slowly to the ball. And uh, you know, I guess when you don't have any offensive going, you better <laughs> you better play hard on defense. So, yep. Uh, one game that uh, that just wrapped up right before we booted up uh, into the, the the pod here was Portland versus OKC. So close game. Came down to the wire, five-point game. Portland was dominating by about 18 points in the first half, and then you know the, the Thunder just kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. From the from the uh, from the game that you saw, what uh, what were some of your takeaways? Portland's offense looked really good. Uh, their their backup bigs were playing well. You know, uh, uh, Myers, Leonard, uh, Zach Collins. Uh, you know they were they were holding it down in the middle for the absence of Nurk, and so was Enos Cantor. Uh, guard play, CJ McCollum looked really really good with his shot. He was making some really good uh, good decisions with the ball and picking his spots and get, whether he's going to get to the hole or shoot it from the outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I thought they looked great. So some really cool takeaways. Uh, and again, I'm not a super diehard Blazers fan here, but I will say Enos Cantor. If that guy could show up maybe two more times this series, it's over. Twenty points. 18 rebounds on 8 to 15 shooting. He looked great out there. So when you have Lillard putting up 30 points like he did and McCollum doing, you know, his his bidding at 24 points, you get you Enos does that you're not going to be able to stop it. So no matter how much you come back, no matter how hard you play, uh, you're going to be in good shape with that. Right. You know, from the way that they shot, you know, they the Blazers backcourt still, I mean, I think they're going to get better too as the series goes on. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another takeaway, man. Paul George was not supposed to play, and yeah. it showed. He shot eight of twenty-four and uh, four of fifteen from three. Whoa, he, that's worse than Jamal Murray. <laughs> he looked like he was just. Now he went. He got hot uh, in the second half. He got hot for a very brief amount of time, then he cooled right back down. I can't see him just popping back in two days and being. Good to go. I think that this might just be the injury that stops the Thunder in five or six games versus how great the Blazers are playing. Like, Paul George's injury is real. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, Paul George has carried that team a lot more than Russell Westbrook has this year. And, uh, you know, if he's not going to be able to be even close to 100%, then, yeah, it might actually look like a Blazers victory. Yeah. Good news. Yeah, it would be. Uh, So... Some highlights, well, lowlights, rather. Uh, Thunder shot 15% from three, 5 of 33. They shot 39% from the field. Blazers, on the other hand, 42% from the field, 44% from three. Uh, other than that, a lot of the stats, rebounds, assists, were kind of across the board, which is where you get some of that, that close score. Um, if you guys watch any playoff game, and this isn't just the Oregon bias, if you guys get a chance to watch any of the games, I, I think that... Portland Thunder. Even if it only goes five or six, each game is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, so. it, absolutely. And seeing, uh, especially you know, the thing to look out for is that Westbrook Lillard matchup, and I don't think that's going to disappoint. Absolutely. Now, there's two more games that are going on tonight. Um, one of them is in progress right now. We can give you a, just just some quick words on that. Twenty four to eight right now, Milwaukee over Detroit. That's 
that's not going to be uh, uh, good for Detroit if they if they can't figure out how to turn that around. Um, well, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't think that series was going to go much more than four. We thought it'd be a little more fun to watch mm-hmm. than what that score is showing us, but uh, you know, it, it's still early yet, and we'll see. Yeah, and then. A great defensive team versus a ridiculously strong offensive team tonight. Utah at Houston on TNT at 6.30. Really wish that we would have been able to record after that game because I think there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff to talk about. Unfortunately, we work Monday mornings and we have to go to bed at some point. Well, this is true. <laughs> so that's uh, that's why we don't have uh, in-depth breakdowns of the um, the Milwaukee, Detroit, and Houston, uh, Utah uh, games. But... Uh, we do have a couple more things to talk about that happened from the from the last podcast. One of those is that farewell ceremony for Dirk Nowitzki, Jason. Wow, yeah. Uh, I got to say, Mark Cuban, I don't think he could have done much more to make that a special ceremony. You know, uh, Dirk Nowitzki didn't know anything about it going into it. And, you know, was so surprised. He he joked around before he spoke uh, to the crowd saying, you know, you know, you know, Mark, you're going to have a tough job out doing this during my <laughs> Jersey retirement ceremony. Uh, but, man, how cool was it to see some of those guys out on the court? Uh, people who uh, had, you know, that Dirk was apparently close to that I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the one that I wasn't surprised to see there was Detlef Schrempf. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't surprised to see you know a fellow German out there who you know Dirk has said before he did a lot of modeling his game after. Mm-hmm. De- if you don't know Detlef Schrempf, uh, power power forward, small forward for the Indianapolis Pacers. <laughs> I only remember him in Seattle. Yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he was a, a great outside shooter for a big guy. Charles Barkley was a shock to see there because yeah, yeah. I. I, I he had yeah. some pretty fun stories. Yeah, the the one really good story was how he tried to talk uh, Dirk Nowitzki into going to Auburn. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> uh, Sean Kemp and, and Gary Payton, my two favorite players of all time, were there. Yeah, who knew that Dirk was that big of a Sonics fan, right? <laughs> That's he, he was the missing piece. <laughs> we would have just got him. Larry Bird, uh, in his speech, just Larry Bird got jokes. Larry Larry Bird was funny. Uh, do, do you want to? Yeah, so Larry Bird says it's worth, it's worth repeating. Yeah, Larry Bird's uh, talking about when Dirk first came into the league, and, and he says, you know, uh, let's put a real perspective on how long Dirk's been playing. He came into the league when I was fifteen, and I'm sixty-two now. <laughs> and it's, I mean, of course, the, the arena erupts in laughter at that. Uh, uh, the the coolest part of that, it, it's not necessarily that they they were kind of funny with their speeches or or that they just showed up. It's that that. These aren't just people that Dirk played with. It's not like Jason Terry showed up or Nick Van Exel right. or, or former Maverick, uh, like Ring of Honor type of people. These these and these aren't just Hall of Famers. Like, hey, let's go find some decent no, Hall of these Famers. These are all guys that are you know maybe besides Shrimp. These are guys considered on the list of like you know the greatest players of all time. Yeah, like these are legends of the game. Shrimp, a legend in his time. First, I mean, internationally, right? Yeah, Deadlift yeah. Shrimp internationally was was insane. And, you know, we left out a name when we were just listing them all, but Scottie Pippen was there. And Scottie Pippen said one of the most profound things out of everybody. And he said that uh, uh, if you're going to leave the game, uh, yeah. make sure the game is better than when you got there. And, uh, and Dirk Nowitzki did that. Yeah. You know, he did it with class. Yeah, I was really hoping you would have tried the Scotty voice to say it. You kind of let me down there. <laughs> it doesn't go that deep. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, anyway, you know what? It, it, it's to me, it, it says something when when these aren't your you, these aren't your players. Like Larry Bird had nothing to do with Dirk Nowitzki. You know, this isn't a Pacer or a Celtic thing. This is a Maverick thing, and you have quite possibly uh, the greatest the greatest player of his era. Right, like he, mm-hmm. he kind of carried the NBA. Him and Magic carried the NBA until the, Jordan took the took the reins. You have Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, who, I mean, th- there's no reason these guys should have this closeness to Dirk to be able to say these kind of things, unless you did something so amazing to the NBA that Scotty's right. It, it'll never be the same, yeah, and it had to be recognized. And they, you know, to to come out for a guy that you know, like we said, wasn't even one of your teammates. You know, they. And especially in an era where guys didn't didn't hang out with each other mm-hmm. and nobody was buddy buddy like they are now. They didn't vacation together. For right. these guys to respect him so much, they would come out uh, for this this farewell. You know, it's, yep. it, was, it, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was very it was very touching and very heartwarming. 
And on the flip side, Dwayne Wade fell off the scorer's table <laughs> during his last game. It, so It was not as glorious. <laughs> oh, goodness. So we have um, we have uh, a couple different questions uh, from, from – uh, from our, our listeners. So I'd like to say thank you and encourage anybody else, if you want to get your question read on air, definitely shoot us a message on our Over and Back Facebook page or our email overandback at gmail.com. That's O V E R N B A C K at gmail.com. All right, so we have Daniel who wrote in, a different Daniel than last week, by the way. Apparently, I only know people with one name. Uh, but first, I'd like to say shout-out to Daniel on his engagement, man. Congratulations, and I uh, hope I get to see you soon. Anyways, with that, Daniel writes in, uh, with David Yeager being fired, uh, well, we know who's replacing him now. Uh, who else do we predict uh, will be fired as head coach, and who are the best coaches for these teams? So I'm going to predict Luke Walton's going to get fired. Yeah, <laughs> <Pre-re- laughs> this is proof we don't pre-record our show. Uh, there was so many coaches fired after he wrote this message; it was crazy. Every answer I was going to give was like, "Okay, all these guys have been fired already." <laughs> right, right. Uh, Brett Brown is still going to get fired. Brett Brown's sure. going to get fired, and uh, you know, I'm really, really hoping for a uh, at least a first round victory. Hopefully, a second round victory. Who knows for the Portland Trail Blazers? Because uh, if not, I think things are going to be on the line for Terry Stotts. Maybe you know. I think they're going to shake things up, and that's been that's been a I talk they, all season. Yeah, but the the, the the Nurkic injury, I think, gives him redemption. I really do. Uh, you know, other coaches have had that excuse before too, and it hasn't quite panned out. When a organization decides they want to make a change, they usually don't consider that so much because uh, it. it if this was the first year, you know, that Terry Stotts didn't make it in the playoffs because of an injury, but we've had some healthy years going in and we didn't perform too, so. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I mean, as far as replacements, um, I mean, I, I don't think they could have done better for that organization, for that talent that they have in Sacramento than the Luke Walton hire. Right. No, he's a good choice because Luke Walton's got a good connection with the, the younger generation of players, guys who uh, – are willing to be coached. And I think that's a more ideal situation for a young head coach like Luke Walton. And I think that the team will respond. And it'll be, uh, you know, a lot like when he, you know, coached uh, a lot of the younger talent mm-hmm. in uh, Golden State. Think about what, okay, think about think about the, the talent that Luke Walton was able to help mold. D'Angelo Russell put up great numbers and he's in the playoffs. Julius Randle had a great season. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to go yeah. on and have a he's going to be a decent yeah. root, like a like a solid starter for whoever Part he's with. Part of it was they made some poor choices on who they kept mm-hmm. and got rid of in LA mm-hmm. and uh yeah, they kind of went the wrong direction. Yeah. And as far as the Lakers coach to answer the question on who's going to replace these people, whoever LeBron James wants. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I don't see that going any other way. Nope. If it ain't LeBron approved, it ain't going to happen. Yep. And now he had another question. Yeah, he also wrote in, too, again, saying, uh, where do we predict that Mike Connolly might go since the grit and grind era is over and uh, uh, who doesn't want to be a part of a – like he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild again. So what do you think? He's, okay. a, he's a free agent that we don't talk about very often, you know? I don't. He's not a free agent, though, right? He's got one more year. Does he? I think so. I'm going to look this up. While we talk about some some possible destinations for Mike Conley, but I think it's a one year buyout. If I yeah, because uh, I well, I know he's been wanting out ever, especially since Gasol left, and that's that's the end of the grit and grind era, and it's it's a long way down the road. Even though you know Memphis, you know Memphis did better this year than I had thought they were going to, especially after the Gasol trade, mm-hmm. and to 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 be a guy who's I mean he's like he's thirty two now, thirty thirty two something like that, Conley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's at an age where he can't be a part of a rebuild. He, he would be spending, you know, the end of his prime was where he's at now. He's maybe got a couple years left of being his fringe all-star type status, uh, which he's always had. He's always been right there on the cusp, always a bridesmaid, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so here's the problem with him, though. He's made, he's making thirty two million next year, thirty four million the year after that. So he turns thirty two uh, at the start of the next season. Uh, so he's going to be a 32-year-old and a 33-year-old making 32 and $34 million. The question is, will anybody trade for that? And so, so first off, he's not going to want to go to a bad team. So he's not going to be that mentor-style player where, where a bad team can afford to absorb his payroll because they're not going to be getting free agents anyways. Right. Uh, which means, is there a bad contract that somebody's going to want to swap? I can't think of any off the top of my head. 
No. I mean, the only people I can think of with worse contracts would probably be the Wizards. But uh, yeah, but that's not happening. You know, no. No, you know, uh, those are even worse. Yeah, Memphis so. is going to be looking to get back expiring contracts, picks, something like that. Right? More than likely, what happens is Conley starts the season with the Grizzlies, ends up negotiating a, a buyout, a buyout yeah. for the for the final two years of his contract, uh, and and Memphis just eats it because nobody's going to want. I mean, he had a he had well, a rough was, season, man. It was it was absurd when uh, I saw was it was. It was the beginning of last season, right? When all the crazy contracts are coming out. Two seasons ago. Two now? seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, literally, he was the first one out of the gates with the new salary cap deals, and everything that came out was Mike Connolly <laughs> signs the largest contract in NBA history. Yeah, and I was just like, "How is that even possible for a guy who's never made an All Star team? Who's he's always just kind of been on the cusp? He's been solid enough to always be a starter throughout his career, but." Like we didn't see that this was going to be hard to deal with down the line, you know, to give a guy was it five years one fifty five or something like that when he got when he signed it. Yeah, it was the uh, large, yeah the largest yeah, contract. It like, was crazy. Yeah, it was gross. So I can see that being issues. I mean, hopefully oh, he'll buy out. Okay, so I was wrong. That 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 second year, that thirty four million is a team option. Oh, okay. So they can actually they can actually negotiate. Um, uh, a lot of trades at that point because then he's on the hook for $32 million next year, but then that's dead money afterwards. So he mm-hmm. could be the expiring contract that a lot of a lot of teams will take on. $32 million, more than likely this is still a buyout, um, a buyout situation. So he can go anywhere he wants. Now you just have to say, who's going to want to take a 32-year-old point guard who knows how to play the game that wants to make a run? Yeah, uh, I think the the best situation would be for him to find a really good backup role for a championship contender. You know? Ouch. Really? Well, yeah. You know, I mean, especially if he's wanting to do something in his career right now, is he going to get picked up on a young by a young squad that has room to let him play more and to have him be more featured? I, I don't th- think Mike Connolly being featured gets any team anywhere because it hasn't for how many years? Right, but I think you, you find the right role – for a Conley style player, he doesn't have to be your number one or number two option. But if Conley's your number three option, think about it like this: Kyle Lowry's out after next season. Maybe you work out a Kyle Lowry deal if if Kawhi stays and you move him up there. Uh, he gets to return back and play some basketball with Marcus All. Maybe that's a stretch. San Antonio would be a really good spot for him. I think that he could fit into that team. He fits right. that, you know, uh, DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge timeline. They'll all be kind of um, around the same age, around the same experience. It's a playoff push, but maybe not a championship team. If, if I can look into the future, I know that we want to, uh, over the summer, talk about uh, Big Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, how cool would it be in a few years if Connolly ends up being out of the league in five <laughs> years? Saw no, and he ends up on a yeah. team with Greg Oden, and we relive all these oh, Ohio no. State stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> How dare you? Well, we're trying to answer a real question <laughs> from one of our listeners, and uh, you're dropping a Greg Oden highlight fantasy for the big three. Uh, <laughs> Portland would be another place I'd like to see him. Now, that would be in a backup role. Absolutely. And I think that uh, uh, he's the kind of guard that they need. Uh, but, you know, it could be tough because Seth is filling that role pretty mm. well right yeah, now, is. and to shake up the kind of chemistry they have there coming off the bench would be tough. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. if he wants to play a lot more, I see him going to a a very ill experienced oh, team. I've got it. All right, let's it's hear not it. even that far of a move as far as the play style goes. Mike Conley signs a veteran minimum after his buyout with the Milwaukee Bucks. I like that. I do too. I like that a lot. I think that's the ty- that's the right place. I'm calling it right now. If the Milwaukee Bucks can get their hands on Mike Conley, that's a home run for everybody. Yeah, involved. he needs to be with a contender at this point. Yeah. I think. Well, and that's a a good coach team, the right kind of mindset, and a bunch of players that work hard and very low ego. Right, and uh, that wouldn't be too big of a disruption to the starting lineup. That is solid over there, but Mike Conley is a step up from Eric Bledsoe. Right, and now that so. allows Eric Bledsoe to move into a sixth man role, which he would be perfect at being able to to go in there, be your change of pace guy. Yeah, he was really happy about that in Phoenix. Well, I think if I think if you get somebody like Conley stepping in, you're not going to have the attitude that you would in Phoenix, where you're just behind a bunch of nobodies. Right. So, I like it. Now, Jason, I got a question for you. All right. First round MVP. Now, this isn't you know who do you think is going to have the most stats 
you know, like is Steph Curry going to average 30 for the series? I don't care about that. What I'm saying is the one player who makes the difference across the entire NBA playoffs right now, even if they lose, the oh, one guy who makes the biggest difference first round. It's hard to, to just pick one at this point, seeing one game, especially after the performances that we saw mm-hmm. uh, yesterday and today. But I'm going to have to go with D'Angelo Russell. Okay. I I was so impressed by that young man yesterday. Mm-hmm. He he played like a veteran beyond his years. He he ran that team. He never let them get out of control. Every time uh, Philly tried to make a little bit of a run, he was able to just quiet that crowd with a, a just a very well timed shot or dish, and and he got that whole team moving, and they were all playing hard, and he. Uh, he was really impressive. So okay. if they even if if they were to stretch that series out to seven, you know, and they might have come up short, I still think that he would be my MVP for the first round. Yeah. Okay. I, I like where you're going with that. Had you not said, had you said somebody else, I probably would have went there. But I, I'm kind of torn because I also watched Dame carry. I mean, Cantor did well, McCollum did well, but when Dame stepped onto that court. The entire pace of the it game shifted. changed. It, it changed. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then Dame Lillard stepped out there and just, like, everything, everybody around him played with a lot more ease. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say Damian Lillard. Yeah, well, I, I can't argue with that. You know, uh, how do you how do you talk against Damian Lillard? You know, He's got. He's on a mission too. Mm-hmm. And if anybody else wants to have a big first round, it's him who has basically, you know, he's puttered out the last couple of years in the playoffs, especially last year. You know, uh, he only averaged like fourteen a game or something like that. And it yeah, was, it was rough. Yeah. So that's it for the playoff coverage. Uh, we want to thank our listener who who uh, dialed us in with a, a couple questions on our Facebook page. Absolutely. And uh, Jason, it's a uh, it's the best time of year, man. Hey, it's like Christmas. Except well, less presents, and yeah. uh, my kids don't make a big mess everywhere. Slightly, uh, slightly better weather, and I'm not uh, red on my bank account, so yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit better than Christmas time. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for listening with us. It's always a pleasure. Remember, check us out uh, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Tell your friends. Share us on Facebook, the Over and Back Facebook page, and of course, email us with any questions, concerns, corrections. You name it. Absolutely, and we love to hear from you. And always, have a great week, you guys. Peace. Peace.